Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, time to talk some more college football and who better to do that with than my good friend and resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how are we doing? I'm good. I've better, been better. I've, I am better than I've been in a while, Nathan. Uh, it's not very. It's been a while since my uh, corn Oscars have beaten another Power Five opponent by seven touchdowns. So I felt good. Well, I I imagine it did. I I'm, I apologize, but uh, who did Nebraska beat here? Uh, uh, Northwest, the defending Big Ten West champion, Northwestern Wildcats. Oh yes, fifty six to seven. I'm just uh, looking at it now. How could I? Of course, I noticed it because it was uh, right. Uh, if I'm looking at ESPN here, it's right. After the UConn Vanderbilt score, which honestly a gift to all of us college football enthusiasts, right? UConn That's Vanderbilt, right. Uh, Vandy, Blue. UConn Vanderbilt, a great game, and now we get UConn and UMass this upcoming weekend for the battle of who's the worst FBS team in the country. I told uh, Travis this earlier when I was talking to him, but I really hope Marcus has UMass against UConn in our in our college pick'em this week. I actually talked to Marcus about that and basically was like, hey, this has to be one of them, right? And he's like, yeah, we can make that happen. Oh, yeah, so that I will would... be one of them. Because you and I apparently thought along the same lines there. It was like, that is a big game for entirely different reasons than any of the other ones. Listen, but... this upcoming week, the biggest game is Iowa against or hosting Penn State. And then after that, if it's not UConn versus UMass, I don't know what we're, we're looking at here. They should have sent college game day to the UConn. UMass. They should have put it on. Put it on ESPN eight. The Ocho. Uh, oh my! You have to do it. But look, before we get too sidetracked here with week six, um, week five uh, happened, and uh, we were told to bring our popcorn. Uh, get your popcorn ready for Ole Miss in Alabama. And hey, Lane Kiffin didn't lie. He was just talking about that Florida-Kentucky game stack. Oh, apparently. Because <laughs> uh, it sure as hell wasn't Georgia-Arkansas. Um, no. No, I thought I was hoping that maybe my uh, my second favorite team this season, Arkansas, could keep it close, and they uh, they did not. They did for and, three uh, minutes. Arkansas might still be good. I think Georgia's just that good, and their defense is that good. It's Alabama, Georgia, and everyone else. Uh, but just to, to at this point, yeah. To be fair, I don't want to definitively say that for the whole rest of the season. But from what we've seen up to now, that is one hundred percent accurate. Right. Saying right. anything aside from that would just be wishful thinking at this point. Yes. Yeah, so now we... things can change. You never know. But at this point, it looks like it's it's quite probable that whoever wins that SEC title game, and then if they play again in the playoff, whoever wins that is going to be the national champion as of now right yeah we're just going as of now because a lot can change a lot can happen because last week we thought the ducks were going to fly high and they stubbed their toe badly against the cardinal in stanford let's just talk about that Ole miss alabama game because lane kiffin said hey bring your popcorn ready and then i don't know if he had too much popcorn and it was affecting his decision making but you know going forward on fourth down maybe on the first drive not a terrible thing you know you want to set the tone early but uh, points would have been probably good on that first drive. And then, you know, the one, the big head scratcher going forward on fourth down at, like, your own 26 or whatever with, like, seven minutes to go in the second quarter. That's just – it's not smart football there. And Alabama clearly was upset after giving up 48 points last year to these guys. And they came out and took it – they took it to Ole Miss, took them behind the woodshed. 
I think what happened was that Lane Kiffin had too much popcorn and his fingers were all buttery and he kept dropping his play sheet. Oh. And that's why he didn't know what to do on fourth down. Makes sense. He couldn't find it. And he just said, you guys you guys figure out what to call here. I've got to pick this up. My hand's slumped again. That makes sense. I mean, I know that Michael Wilbon on Pardon the Interruption last week said that Lane Kiffin is just an embarrassment to every program he goes, and that got a, a lot of traction and stuff. Lane Kiffin's like, well, that's not very nice. Uh, you know, fans of Ole Miss were like, oh, give him a break. And, oh, Michael Wilbon's just an old crotchety individual. Well, <laughs> Lane Kiffin certainly didn't do anything to help change that narrative i guess this week i mean he didn't say anything terrible but you gotta have a better performance than that against alabama i mean i i understand what you're saying i would counter with alabama's gonna do this to basically everybody they play the rest of the year outside of georgia and maybe one or two other games sure yep i I understand the criticism with Lane Kiffin for going for it on fourth down when it doesn't work, and that's just how it goes when you're a head coach. Yep. At the same time, if they're just punting all the time whenever they get to fourth down, I don't think they're, you're going to beat Alabama that way either. So I'll give them credit for at least realizing, like, hey, if we both just play straight up, they're going to win because they're better. Well, I'm going to at least try to do something to shift the odds in my favor a little bit, and obviously it did not work. So you could fault them for that, but I don't think they could have just been like, hey, we're going to try and we're going to punt every time we get to fourth down just to be on the safe side. Oh, I know, but it, like on your own 26, in, midway through the second quarter, is that really the best time to try and go for it on fourth down? No, but punting against Alabama is not a good decision either because it's just going to take the ball and drop uh, down. Well, the best thing to do against that then would be to not have to face fourth downs where you have to punt. That's true. Uh, I mean, Alabama, again, took it to Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense was supposed to be better. They really weren't in this game. Bryce Young did a, a, a great job. I think it just proves the gulf between Alabama and the rest of the SEC West. I mean, Arkansas laid a, you know, they just weren't ready for the spotlight against Georgia. They got blown out of the, they got the doors, doors blown off right away, losing 37 nothing to Georgia. This game wasn't even close after the first quarter. Georgia drove down the field and scored right away. And then the Arkansas offensive line decided to get two false starts on their first drive and just really never got any traction going after that. I mean, it's Alabama-Georgia collision course for the SEC championship game. And the rest of the SEC West is just trying to get in a certain pecking order at this point. I think you might be right. If you remember, uh, what would it have been? It would have been, I think, 2006 when Michigan and Ohio State were undefeated and when it got to, like, late October or early November, we as, like, a nation kind of realized, like, oh, wait, these two teams can be undefeated and play at the end of the year when they're number one and number two. Mm -hmm. And basically, you may not know, if you don't know this, I won't fault you for this since you're not a Nebraska or Oklahoma fan. But basically, the same thing happened in 1971 with Nebraska and Oklahoma, and they played. And that was back when they played the last game of the regular season. And that was the and game they were of the one century. Two, even longer, I think, since like week three or something like that. And that was the game and of the basically, century. Basically, right? long story short, I think that yeah. it's very possible we're basically getting that this year with Alabama and Georgia, except instead of the regular season, it's going to be the SEC title game. Now. And that was the game of the century, right? Nebraska, Oklahoma. 
Yeah, and to be fair, there's a lot of game of the century since number one and number two teams didn't play that often before the BCS. They just named any game mm-hmm. the game of the century when it was number one and number two. That one just happened to be one that was like a really good game. That, I mean, I, Nebraska won, I don't know the final score. It was like Nebraska won like 35-30 or something like that. So it was a time where it was like, oh my God, they're one and two. And it was actually fun and interesting. We enjoyed watching the game. What a big deal. Staying in the SEC, um, Florida loses at Kentucky for the first time, I feel like, since like 1968 or something like that. I mean, it's been a long time. I think time. they lost to Kentucky two or three years ago. This was the first time, I forget if it was in, it was in Gainesville, right, in Florida. Uh, well, this game was in Lexington. Okay, so it's the first time that they beat them at home, then I think. I'm almost positive, like two or three years ago, that Kentucky beat Florida. And that was the first time they'd won since, like, 85 or something like that. Yes. And this is the first time I think they beat them at home, I think, since that, like, same year, too. So, I mean, either way, Kentucky almost never beats Florida. And to have them do it a couple of times, I I guess I have a laptop. I I probably should have pulled up and checked that first. But, obviously, it's surprising because Florida is almost always usually really good and Kentucky's usually really bad. And even the years where they're both good, Florida's usually far better, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually didn't see any of that game. I assumed it was not going to be close, and was watching other stuff and got wrapped up with other things and didn't see the score again until it was over. And it was just like, wait, what? How, how did that even happen? It's amazing, because uh, Florida was... Dan Mullen has taken over the Florida program, and I know that you know Georgia's got revenge on their mind you know, when they play in the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party uh, at the end of the month here because Florida beat them last year. But I, I'm just not – how is Florida going to try and – I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they did make it to the SEC championship game. What was that, last year or the year before? But I don't know. It This feels like they're taking a, a step back and they shouldn't be. And maybe it all stems at the quarterback position, because if you have two quarterbacks, sometimes they say you have none. Uh, it depends what you mean by step back. I mean, I don't think this means anything long-term, other than that they're just not as good this year as they want to be. I mean, they did still give Alabama probably the closest scare in the lab the rest of the regular true, season. True, true. And I think Kentucky's still undefeated, if I they remember are. right. Or they have, so, they I mean, obviously, if you're Florida, that's not a loss that you want. You're not going to feel good about it. But at the same time, this isn't, you know, Kentucky from seven years ago where you're like, oh, my God, we lost to a team that's going to win five games this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kentucky's going to get to ten wins. But, like, at this point, and I don't know what their remaining schedule is, but, like, I wouldn't be stunned if they won eight or nine regular season games. Well, let it's, I'm glad you asked about their schedule because let me bring it up here <laughs> for you. Uh, here's their remaining schedule. So they are currently 5-0. and They are home to LSU on October 9th, so this week. Which, they did, which you know, before the season, we would say that's a loss. That definitely looks like a game they can certainly win right now, though. Especially in, in Lexington. Yep. At Georgia. Okay. I, I think it's very unlikely that they beat Georgia. I would agree. I think that's their first loss of the year. At Mississippi State. I think that's kind of sort of a weird, goofy game, but I, I would imagine that I think Kentucky's going to be favored. 
just because Mississippi State's very, you know, chaotic and up and down. Home to Tennessee. That one's tough because I, I guess I don't know what Tennessee's record is. I know they murdered Missouri over the weekend. I will get their record here in a moment, but I would almost lean towards Tennessee if Josh Heupel's getting his team in the gear at that point. But and, either way, I mean, obviously it's not like the Georgia one where we're saying they're not going to win. I right. mean, even if we would both pick yeah. Tennessee, I don't think it's a stretch to say, well, yeah, I mean, if they beat Florida – and are 5-0, and they could probably beat Tennessee, too. I give them a better chance of beating Mississippi State in Starksville than I do be- have than I do them beating Tennessee at home. I think that's fair and reasonable. I mean, I, like, I would right now, just without looking too deep into it, would say Tennessee is like a 60% chance of beating Kentucky. Like, it would be the favorite, but not like a, uh, an obvious, like, oh, yeah, that's an easy game. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then, uh, right now, the matchup predictor has Tennessee favored 56.1% to 43.9. So, nearly 60-40 there. Then, at Vanderbilt. When Home against New Mexico State. Easy win. Well, obviously Vanderbilt will be an easy win, too. In fact, New Mexico State might be a harder win than Vanderbilt is, but... And then home against Louisville. I mean, I think they could beat Louisville, so geez, we're looking at this. I mean, we could have 10-2 and two Kentucky here. Yes. Yes, we could. Um, I, I do think, you know... I picked Louisville to beat Wake Forest this week because I thought Malik... I, I was impressed with what Malik Cunningham has been able to do, especially when they played uh, UCF a couple weeks ago um, in that Friday night game. That was a good game. So I would have thought that... I mean, that, that Louisville game is going to be tough, but I think the, the most difficult game outside of Georgia remaining for Kentucky is that game against Tennessee. So I would agree with that. So we are potentially looking at uh, ten and two Kentucky team Auburn with a very impressive win in Death Valley against LSU. Bo Knox looking very good. So Bo Nix. Or Bo Nix. Did I say Bo Knox? I meant Bo Nix. You did say Bo Knox. I you were thinking of Tennessee, and it made you think of Knoxville. Yeah, and going from one to the other can get you sometimes. I yep, that had to be what it is. But so Auburn with a very good win there. Uh, Ed Orgeron's club. That's a, that's a that's a troubling loss. But then Mississippi State also goes and beats Texas A and M, and in College Station. But if you think about it, Texas A and M without Haynes King as their starting quarterback, they're just kind of a shell of themselves at this point. They really are. I uh, I don't feel good about my preseason pick of Texas A and M winning the SEC West. Not gonna lie to you, I don't think that's gonna come to pass this year. Well, I mean, how could you, how could you not, how could you predict that injury happening though? No, but but even that, the way Alabama's playing, and you know, it, it's one of those things too where they lost to Arkansas, and it was like, well, I mean, maybe Arkansas is good, and even with the loss to Georgia, I mean, Arkansas potentially could still be the third best team in the country right now, mm-hmm. just worse than Georgia and Alabama, but. You know, you throw in after the lost Arkansas losing to Mississippi State like that, and really uh, doesn't look great for Texas A&M. I mean, certainly this doesn't mean like they're going to fire Jimbo this year or anything. I don't know if they can afford to fire him if they wanted to, but 
any thoughts of like, oh no, Texas A&M is going to take the next step. What's this going to look like? It's like, well, nah, maybe they're just going to kind of go like eight and five again or something like that now. Yeah, and Jimbo commands a great sum of money, so that they expect better results than what they're getting so far with A&M. Um, other areas, so we'll, we'll look at the the slate for week six here in a moment. Uh, other games of note, though, Michigan goes into Camp Randall. They had been 0-5 their last five trips to Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin handedly. Wisconsin has a terrible offense. They are not a good club at all. Uh, Wake Forest is... I don't know about you. Like, I, I, or I don't want to speak for you. I'll just tell you what I think and you okay. can tell me if you agree or not. I'm not stunned that Michigan beat Wisconsin. I think I may have picked Wisconsin just because it was in Camp Randall. But if you would have told me Michigan would have won, you know, on Thursday or whatever, you know, just a couple days before the game, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, I could see that. But the way it played out, the way it looked was very surprising compared to the last, I mean, God, it seems like decade with Wisconsin now, where Mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, they're obviously going to win 10 games every year. Their defense will be great, and they're going to slowly wear you down on a – offense against your defense and then there's nothing you can do in the second half a lot of the time i keep and it is just not working that way for wisconsin's offense at all i keep waiting for wisconsin's offense to start putting like i was a big graham mertz fan coming into this season i thought he was going to be the real deal because you're a defensive back and you kept thinking he was going to throw you interceptions Uh, apparently yeah (laughs) well played there um I, i and maybe he still can be something but Wow, I mean, this Wisconsin offense is just atrocious. It's it's as bad as we've ever seen it, and I think at this point, it's it's almost like kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, uh, where Pittsburgh just looks lost. That's not a bad comparison. I kind of like that. Oh, thank you. Uh, they they just look lost. They you think that defense is going to do something, and maybe the offense will have enough juice to to put it together. At this point, if you're like for Wisconsin, there's just no hope for their season. I don't think you. I mean, the, dare I say Minnesota can beat them at the end of the season? But we, I mean, Minnesota's got a whole host of issues with the running back position, and uh, and David Morgan doesn't look, uh, or Tanner Morgan, what, whatever. Like the Morgan, the the quarterback, um, he doesn't look great right now. But I think Minnesota could beat them. But at, Wisconsin's got to play Iowa still. This Wisconsin team just looks like they're in a world of hurt. I can think of a couple other times in the last 10 years or so where they've had like one of these two problems where they're either too turnover prone or they're just not really good at moving the ball. I can't think of a time where it's been both of them. And when it's just one, it seems like they find a way to like not necessarily fix it and be really good at offense, but at least fix it to the extent where they could work around it and be like, well, what we wanted to do didn't quite work and we're doing this that's similar. But with both of those, I don't know what they – I mean, maybe they've got something up their sleeve they can figure out. But at this point, it looks like they're not going to be good on offense the entire year. I would be surprised if, you know, they may have a random – I mean, maybe against Northwestern they'll look good or something. But, you know, I, I don't think – three games from now we're going to be like wow that wisconsin offense really changed things and figured it out (laughs) well you wouldn't think i mean stranger things have happened i guess but i would agree with you i don't think it's going to happen and right now the surprises in the big 10 are michigan state michigan 
playing well. Ohio State got a big uh, you know, the pick-me-up game against Rutgers, so that was good. And then you have Penn State and Iowa. And I mentioned to, to Travis that the one game I think that I – the matchup I want to see in the college football playoff the most is Iowa against Georgia because I think the first one to 10 wins. Uh, the first, I don't know if there's going to be, be 10 combined points, period. Maybe not. This Iowa defense is super good. They forced seven turnovers against Maryland. Their offense stinks, though, so Georgia would just wreak havoc on that, and Georgia's got a better offense than Iowa. But yeah, I think it would just turn into a war of attrition where they're both just pounding it up the middle every single play. I, saying, we're not ever going to throw this because we don't want to get a turnover and give you a free field goal. I, and whoever would somehow get six points or whatever would probably win six to three. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, though, that we see that potential matchup. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's going to be a tough test this weekend with Penn State. But, I mean, for Iowa, I don't remember exactly what their schedule was. But I looked at it at some point. If they if they could beat Penn State, you look at the rest of their, their slate for the regular season. And it's like, oh, yeah, they could definitely win all these other games. And then it would just depend how they play against Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State or whoever they play in the Big Ten title game with a playoff shot up line. I mean, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't it be something if Iowa's undefeated and then maybe they'd get a one-loss Penn State team? Again, if they beat Penn State, I think that would be awfully intriguing there. I think right now, if we're looking at it, because Oregon, unfortunately, is out. You know, They lose to Stanford. They shouldn't have lost that game. I don't know. Were you watching this game? Can you... I saw some of it, and I saw one of the craziest stats I've ever seen in my life. Or to me, at least, it's crazy. And what's the? Uh, did you see any of this or no? I did. I watched most of the first half and part of the second half. Um, there was one stat they showed. It's I forget the exact year, but it was since either ninety four, ninety five, or ninety six. Let's just split the difference and say ninety five. But it was since nineteen ninety five. And this was before the game was over, obviously. Mm-hmm. Stanford was 6-5 and five against Oregon teams that entered the game undefeated. So now they're 7-5. and five. And it's just, just crazy to think that Stanford has a winning record against Oregon when Oregon enters the game undefeated. That is a now, great thing. They didn't go and show all of them. Some of them might have been when Oregon was like 2-0 and or something. Sure. And maybe they ended up not being that good. But obviously, over the last 15, 20 years, there have been some really, really, really good Oregon teams. Yes. And I don't remember all the details, but like me, I'm sure you remember a couple where Oregon would come in as this heavy favorite undefeated in the middle or late October. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, this Oregon team with the best offense in the country lost 17 to 14 to Stanford? How'd that happen? Mm-hmm. No. And and it's somehow they found a way to do this against undefeated Oregon teams. I don't know how, and they did it again on Saturday. Well, so Oregon's offensive coordinator wasn't at the game, so I think that had something to do with Oregon's lackluster offense in the first half. They got things together. It certainly doesn't help. They got things together in the second half, but then C.J. Verdell goes down with an injury, and I think he's done for the year. But I don't know if you saw the end of this game, but it looked like Oregon had this game in the bag. In fact, uh, ESPN... I didn't see it live. I've seen like some replay of it, but I heard there was controversy, but I didn't see what the specific thing was. So you will, uh, you will have to fill me in. Well, I I didn't see the end of the game, so I'm just following along. But Oregon at one point had like a 99.9 percent chance to win. There was like 208 left. They had a first down. Then they had a couple of false starts. 
and then they threw a pass and it, like it just poor clock management and then they kick it you know they punt it to Stanford and Stanford goes down the field and scores you get a defensive holding penalty on a fourth and goal that allowed a, an untimed down and Stanford scores on it it's just I Oregon had this game in the bag and I don't understand the play calling and how do you have a couple of delay like a false start and what it's just it's bad. How does that happen in that situation? Hey, that, that mighty Stanford crowd, you know, the best crowd in college football. Oh, yes. That's always loud and loves loves collegiate sports, especially the mainstream ones. Like I, sure, I sure saw a lot of uh, Stanford yeah. fans there dressed as empty seats uh, during that game. I just well, you're telling me all those trees in the background aren't actual Stanford fans. Those are just trees. They are not. No, they they are not. I'm sorry to. Sorry to tell that to you. I mean, I'm just – let me get this pulled up here so I have it. Yeah, it was fourth and one at the Stanford 42. Travis Dye runs for three yards and a first down. That's what, 241 to go. Then 221, a false start. Then another false start. You have back-to-back false starts. In the fourth quarter, that's I – mean, back-to-back ever is really bad. Doing it in the fourth quarter when you've got a lead is – incredibly poor like all you could do is just like kneel down and you practically have this game one uh they run for two then a timeout stanford and then anthony brown throws an incomplete pass like why are you run why are you trying to throw it on second down just run it run the clock out and then uh they then stanford i guess called another timeout so maybe that's what they were thinking i i i don't know this is just poor poor uh, and that Stanford had back-to-back false starts and stuff. So they had it second and 19 at their own four, and then they get a 23-yard completion. It's just Oregon could not have done Wait, so Stanford was on, like, their own four-yard line with, like, two minutes left in the game? A minute 44 to go, yes. And drove, I guess I don't know if they needed a touchdown or a field goal. They needed a touchdown need? and a touchdown. So they drove, like, 95 yards in the last minute and a half of the game to win. Yep, they were aided by a roughing the pass, two roughing the passer penalties against Oregon. So, just be smart. Like, Oregon could not have played a worse two minutes and 20 seconds. And it it destroyed their season. You just get, you get through that game against Stanford, you're like, okay, we didn't play good, but, you know, we survived. And, uh, it just... It's incredibly frustrating because uh, I wanted Oregon to stay in the mix for that college football playoff spot. Now we're looking and you at... you never know. Weird things can happen, but it yep. looks very likely that that's going to keep about though. I mean, Oklahoma is a loss away from just disappearing from the college football playoff conversation. The ACC is done. No offense to undefeated Wake Forest. But Do you don't think Wake Forest is going to run the table? I don't think so. It's running the claw fence? I, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't either. foresee Wake Forest doing it. So then it comes down to, you have Alabama and Georgia. So you have two spots there. Iowa certainly looks like they're in the mix. Penn State's in the mix. So the Big Ten's going to get one team in there. And then... It's Uh-oh. Cincinnati? Cincinnati, who comes into South Bend, and Desmond Ritter plays a great game. They beat Notre Dame, and I don't know if Jack Cohn was fully healthy or not, 
but he was benched at one point for uh, for Pine. Uh, the back- a lot of that going around with Wisconsin quarterbacks not playing well recently. Right, but I mean, Cohn, I, it's more because he was injured, right? He probably just it limited his effectiveness. But throwing an interception in and the goal line situation there—that's you can't do that against Cincinnati. And it, there were, the Bearcat faithful really traveled for this game. They took up a huge section or two of uh, of South Bend's or of Notre Dame Stadium there. But Cincinnati with a great performance. We're looking at Cincinnati as a legit playoff team. No bones about it. And they have a ridiculously easy schedule here the rest of the way. Cincinnati, you can kind of use as a Rorschach inkblot test on how you feel about them. Just in the stuff of that game specifically. But you can look at it and say that Cincinnati wasted a lot of opportunities. And I don't, and this isn't me specifically, but someone could say I don't like that. They didn't do this, and they didn't take advantage of this, and that's problematic. But at the same time, you could say that Cincinnati didn't play their A game. They played their – I mean, well, at times they played their A game, but probably played their B-plus, maybe their B game mm-hmm. on the road against the top-10 Notre Dame team and walked out with a win. And being able to say, like, oh, we actually played fine but could have played a lot better and still won on the road against – from all we know, a Notre Dame team that's probably going to be in the top fifteen at the end of the year mm-hmm. is uh, is quite the accomplishment for any for any team. Period. Let a team, let alone a team that's not the Power Five. Cincinnati's most difficult game remaining is home against UCF on October sixteenth. Here's the rest of their schedule: home to Temple this weekend. Win. Easy win. That's a Friday night. I mean, unless they get an all-time bad wet down after beating Notre Dame, but. Temple's bad enough they could do that and still win by 15. I would agree with that. So that's Friday night. Then home to UCF the following week. At Navy on October 23rd. At Tulane October 30th. Home to Tulsa on November 6th. At USF on November 12th. Home against SMU on November 20th. That's the most difficult game remaining. Then at ECU, East Carolina, on November 27th. So that home game against SMU is going to be the most challenging one. But And maybe that would actually benefit. I don't know who they play in the conference title game. I will be honest. I forget who's in which division in the AAC. I can take a look here. Um, And maybe it benefits them if SMU continues to go on their run because that would only it would definitely benefit them it would strengthen their their resume for sure so i think maybe we're looking at you know in smu and they must take the top two because there's no divisions in the aac so i'd imagine they take the top now maybe they switch that at some point yeah i do recall when they used to have divisions but that's not how it's showing at least on espn here what what do you say? I mean, do 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 you see a Cincinnati SMU uh, championship game? I mean, I think it can happen. The big thing, I mean, obviously, story wise, the biggest deal Cincinnati, and I think, I think that the way not not just them beating Notre Dame, but the way all these other things transpired is going to help them a lot. I think. Unless weird stuff happens, I don't think anybody outside of the SEC has a good chance of getting two teams in. Mm -hmm. I think it would be incredibly difficult for the Big Ten to get two in. And then you look at the rest of it. I mean, I I, I don't think Cincinnati would get in over an undefeated Oklahoma team. 
but I don't think anyone else in the Big 12 is undefeated. Right. And the way Oklahoma's been playing, I'm not overly confident they're going to finish the year undefeated either. No, no, not certainly not with the way they, they're playing. I mean, they barely beat Kansas State, and they have the Red River rivalry this week. So I don't – it's not a stretch to say that they could end up losing this game against Texas. And is – was there anything – Texas, else? for all the jokes, Texas hasn't lost since they played Arkansas. That's their only loss this year. So right. It's possible that Texas is actually relatively good. They're just not as good as Arkansas. It's, right. Uh, which still would put them middle of the pack in the SEC. Um, anything else from week five before we take a look at week six? Mm, I, I don't know if I've got anything else. I watched some of the UCLA and Arizona State late at night, and it was a classic, super weird and goofy Pac-12 after dark game with big plays and bad ref calls. That I don't know if it was good football, but it was fun and entertaining football. And but. UCLA loses and pretty much destroys their hopes of a of a good season now that they have two losses. Because BYU, of course, beat them earlier. Uh, so looking ahead now to Week Six, uh, the big, as we said, the big game of the week is Penn State at Iowa, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Clifford, very good quarterback for. Do you remember what happened the last time Penn State played at Iowa? Um, if I recall correctly, it was a night game on ABC. And Penn State, I think, won it on some crazy. Last second touchdown, right? Penn State had Saquon Barkley then, who had a really good game, although didn't make the game-winning play. I forget the name of their quarterback. It was one of those like short, undersized white dudes who doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but it's just like... Was it Trace McSorley? Really, Trace McSorley, that's who it was. With like three seconds left in the game, they either spiked it or called a timeout, and they were at like the Iowa 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. And he threw a strike over the middle into the end zone on the last play of the game to win. Okay, that's... Walk out and win by, you know, three points or whatever. I mean, Clifford, not the big red dog, but Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, very good quarterback. Um, great wide receiver. I'm forgetting the guy's name. It's like Dotson or something like that. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? I do. I believe his last name's Dotson. I also do not remember what his first name. I is. will. I will get it pulled up here momentarily. But Penn State has the weapons, I think, to hang with Iowa. It's just a matter of. Well, Penn, let's, well we need. I think we need to rephrase this. Penn yeah, State has true. the weapons they could score, score on. Get, Iowa. You're right. Yeah. yeah Iowa not doesn't have a Iowa. great offense. They've got an okay offense. That's good at. Yep. Taking advantage when their defense gives them opportunities. Yes. But yep. yeah, I think that's the big thing. If you're Penn State, I, I think you could maybe be minus one in turnovers and win, perhaps. You certainly, I don't think you could be minus two and win at night in Iowa City. You'd probably want to at least be even, if not be positive in turnovers. I think Penn State's good enough that they can hold Iowa to, you know, 10 or 13. 17 points that's somewhere in there but the problem is going to be trying to get to 17 or 20 without putting your or putting your defense in bad spots it's Jahan Dotson is the is the wide receiver so um for Penn State so I guess yeah that that's what I meant to ask can Penn State put up enough points against this tremendous Iowa defense and then can Penn State's defense do enough against the Iowa offense which is very suspect but yet at the same time just put up a 50-burger against Maryland. 
I think they can. I, I mean, I don't know if they will or not. I think uh, I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game. I don't think it'll be as bad as that. Uh, I think it was 2004 when Iowa beat Penn State 6-4. to four. I don't think it'll be bad. <laughs> and uh, in both both safeties were not purpose. Or, I mean, they were purposeful safeties. Like, we're, we're taking the safety so we can free kick this instead of punting it from our own two-yard line. Yep. And putting you in field goal range. I think there will be more points than that, and the ball will be moved a little bit more than that. But if you're looking for a high scoring game, that's 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 not going to be the one you'd want to watch. Uh, the other games of note: Oklahoma against te- Texas in the Red River rivalry. Do you see who do you have win in that game? I gut reaction right now is I would pick Texas just because Oklahoma's – I know Oklahoma's won all their games. They're not nearly as good on offense as they've been the last few years, and it looks like they're kind of – and it's tough to say struggling when they're winning, especially against conference opponents. Mm-hmm. Not playing the way you'd want them to, and it just feels like they've got a loss coming up at some point. And there's always weird and goofy things that have happened the last you know 10 years on that year. So, I feel like Texas beating the top 10 Oklahoma would be very, very fitting for the way those two teams have kind of played up to this point. This is going to be a get-well game for someone. Arkansas at Ole Miss, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. One of those teams is really, really going to feel bad about that. I did not realize they played each other this weekend. I uh, Selfishly, I hope Arkansas wins because I like them more this year. Um. I don't know, though. I mean, I, I, Arkansas is relatively young, and the way they got spanked like that, it's going to be tough to uh, – you'd say the same thing for Ole Miss. I'm picking Arkansas, but that might be my heart talking over my head. I don't know. Well, the, last week was maybe a good taste of medicine uh, against uh, Georgia. Like, hey, we, we know we aren't ready yet. Let's go out and prove it now to the world that maybe we are – that we're better, that we learned from last week. I think I'm taking Ole Miss here just because I think their offense is better. I think their defense is a little better. Or their defense is better than they were last year. They're not as good as Arkansas's defense, but I think Ole Miss uh, will get the job done here. And Arkansas maybe just uh, ascended a little faster than many of us thought. Uh, if you're Arkansas, I think you got to find, since they got shut out, you got to find a way to get points off the board relatively early yep. to at least get that, like, okay, we can do stuff. We can move the ball a little bit. It's okay. We're probably not going to play another all other than Alabama. Probably won't play another defense that good the rest of the year. More than likely not. Uh, number two, Georgia at number 18, Auburn, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Is this a letdown game for Georgia? Auburn with that big win at LSU at Death Valley uh, last Saturday night. I, th- I think Georgia wins this game, but this appears to maybe be their most difficult game between here and Atlanta for the SEC championship game. I think this one's going to be closer than the Arkansas game was, if anything, just because I don't think Georgia's going to play their A-plus game two weeks in a row. They can still play incredibly well and win 27-7, to and that's not as well as they played the week before. I think it's going to be something like that, where it's, you know, I mean, let's say that it's going to be 20-9 to in the fourth quarter, and then Georgia scores late to absolutely slam the door shut on any hopes that Auburn had to win in a game that you look at and are like, oh, I mean, that was sort of kind of close, but isn't as close as the score indicates. 
the big one, UConn at UMass at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we giving UConn the win here? I'm giving UMass the win. They're playing at home. They're not letting they're not letting UConn stroll into their home stadium and walk out with a win. UConn is right now a three and a half point favorite. And then I don't I can't remember. Did you are you picking Iowa or Penn State? I'm gonna pick Iowa here, but I hope Penn State wins. I'm picking Penn State. Okay. Very good. We're split there. I I like I hope Penn State wins, but I fear Iowa will win. Uh, just looking at anything else here. Alabama at Texas A&M at night on CBS. Oh, that's that looked so much better. I would have felt better three weeks ago than I do right now about yeah. Texas A&M shot at winning. Absolutely. LSU at Kentucky, we already mentioned that. Uh, they both think Kentucky's going to win. Anything, any other games that really uh, catch your attention? I guess, you know, the Friday night slate is awfully intriguing with Temple at Cincinnati and then Stanford at Arizona State. You know, Arizona State has a chance here to do something in that Pac-12 South. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, Stanford's going to be riding high. Stanford can play as well as they did last week. It makes it quite interesting. You kind of wonder if Stanford's going to have a letdown after beating Oregon or not. Mm-hmm. I would I would favor Arizona State. But and with the, the Pac-12 so hard to pick, I mean, you're just basically throwing a deck of cards against the wall, it seems like, at the time. Yep, and hoping something sticks. Pretty much all you can do. I mean, if nothing sticks, that might tell you more than if something sticks in the back 12. I don't know. Very true. Very true. Hey, at least Colorado scored uh, 14 points last week. So, probably. Yeah, hopefully they didn't waste all their scoring. And maybe they should have spread that out a little bit over a few more games. Their offense is so bad. So bad. Maybe we need Colorado against UConn. Or Colorado against Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt already beat Colorado State. Let's see them take on Colorado. Um, I mean, I'd be okay with watching that. Again, that you can't. Okay, that's not true. I don't know. Let me rephrase that. I want that game to be played. I don't know if I actually want to watch it, though. Hey, that UConn-Vanderbilt game was uh, was entertaining down the stretch. Vanderbilt had to come back and win after giving up a big lead. So uh, anything's possible when you get bad teams together in the Lysol toilet bowl. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy to forget that, but just because you think one team's worse, if they're both bad, you never know what, what bad team's going to do at yeah, any given point in time. Right, absolutely. Uh, anything else that you're intrigued by with the Week 6 slate? Stacking, I need you to use your expertise to talk me down from getting, me, from getting overconfident in my bubble bursting. Because as of right now, I don't think Nebraska's going to beat Michigan on Saturday, okay. which is a home game in Lincoln. It's a night game in Lincoln. Yep. But I know that by Thursday or Friday, I am going to have talked myself into Nebraska winning. And I am right now, as we speak, pulling up a uh, specific tweet I saw somebody make that just feels like it's speaking to my soul to maybe to a degree as a Vikings fan, you feel this way too. I don't know. I am uh, quickly scrolling through this so I can find it. Well, All right. So yeah, yeah. I don't know who this person is on Twitter, but Nebraska fan, obviously. And this was before they beat Northwestern on Saturday. This was special. This was after, I think, Warren uh, focusing on after barely losing to Oklahoma and barely losing to Michigan State games. They both could have won. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so th- this is the tweet, and it's, it's basically the thoughts of how you feel each day as a Nebraska team. Saturday, 
we legitimately may never win a football game ever again. This team is cursed. Sunday, I'm done watching this team for the sake of my health. Tuesday, I mean, our defense is pretty good. Wednesday, just need to clean up special teams. Friday, can we win the next four games? And I feel like that is a a view inside my soul of the last, like, three or four weeks as a Nebraska fan here. Where I'm like, what is going on? I'm so frustrated and angry. And as the week goes on, I start going, I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like them beating Northwestern the way they did is just Lucy setting up the Charlie Brown pulling the football out from under me, and I'm going to still fall for it somehow. Well, listen, I, I, I completely understand, and I appreciate the Vikings analogy because that's, I think, the perfect way to, uh, to describe a Vikings fan. Oh, yep, I'm done with this team. I can't – oh, we, we might be able to do it. Nope, just – nope, we can't do it. I will say this, Charlie. I would go into the game – This is the other thing, too. The other thing was on Sunday morning, I saw that Michigan opened as only like a two-point favorite. And I was like, wait, they're only a two-point favorite? And that was what really – I thought they were going to be like 12-point favorites. Oh. And that, that's what really threw me for a loop then. Uh, currently, they are a three-point favorite. So it's only increased by one. I will say this. Go into the game expecting Michigan to prevail and be happy if Nebraska can do it. However, with that being said, Nebraska may play really good right off the bat, get your hopes up, and then dash them with a terrible play on special teams or offense uh, with uh, Mr. Martinez fumbling the football. uh, That would definitely track the the way recent years have gone for the Cornhuskers. That would would certainly be in line. So maybe for your health, maybe you just go in, you watch this game for a little bit, you watch bits and parts of it, when something bad happens, you, you go away, you get a drink, you get a beer, whatever you need to do for like 15, 20 minutes, come back, see how it goes, and just go do it like that the, the whole game. So that way you don't, um, you don't stress yourself out. You, uh, you, know, you don't put yourself through a bunch of misery and heartache and heartbreak. That's all very smart, adults, mature, objective advice that I should follow. I probably will not follow that. That's okay. I having, think the other and will end up having a meltdown the, by myself in my apartment at some point on Saturday night. The diehard fan and you will throw a foam finger or a foam brick at the TV, curse out loud, and then guzzle down your favorite adult beverage. Probably accurate. And all by this time, the middle of the second quarter hits. Uh, so <laughs> make sure you have plenty of uh, adult beverages nearby and some of that uh, uh, delicious popcorn. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. I hope my advice, uh, uh, I, I hope, I just hope you are in a, able to enjoy the game. I hope so too. This is the real sad thing, stacking. I rarely actually enjoy watching games anymore. I enjoyed the Northwestern game because they played well and won so handily. Sure. Normally, I only feel relief if they win. And that maybe speaks to other things, how we view sports in the United States. That's a whole other topic for another day. It certainly And also is. how Nebraska's done recently. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We will. I, uh, we will indeed. 
seen that low, seen Michigan favored by so few points, stunned me by so much, and I feel like that's really setting me up for uh, for failure for getting the getting the rug pulled out from under me. Yep, yep, yeah. Watch out, watch out, Lucy, or watch out, uh, Charlie Brown. Lucy's coming with that yeah. football for you. Well, Charlie, I always appreciate the time as always. Uh, a couple weeks, I think uh, I, I heard maybe through the grapevine that Bullbounder not might be coming back. And we also are going to be taking a look at the lone undefeated teams in another edition of When Will They. So uh, nice. it, it's it's coming. It, it's uh, it's time we, we get back into the game season. I know we did When Will They last week with the winless teams. And if any winless teams remain, we'll certainly touch on those. But... I think uh, the undefeateds were down to 16, I believe, at this point. So we'll see what happens. And we know, you know what I heard about bullbound or not stacking. What's that? You know what I heard about bullbound or not? Yeah. Well, what what's that? I heard that it sweeps the nation faster than the Facebook outage. <laughs> Bazinga! That is very good. Yeah. The, wow. Facebook out. I that could be why I wasn't able to. To post earlier today, uh, and yes, you you know that it sweeps all across the the land. Austin in Texas loves the game. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just all about it. Cheyenne in Wyoming. Yes, yeah. How could we forget about Cheyenne? She's one of the most avid fans out there. Helen A in Montana, uh, super sweetheart. She loves the game. Uh, Pierre in uh, in South Dakota. He's He's all about the. We just have fans all over. For a over. French guy, he really likes football. Yeah, he does. He he's mistaken it for soccer multiple times, but um, we just have fans all across this country that love this game. So looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. Uh, but best of luck to your Nebraska Cornhuskers this week, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks, Dagan. Talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to join me here, talk some college football. Great stuff, as always. Good luck to his Nebraska Cornhuskers this week. Don't give him an ulcer. That's that's the bottom line here. Uh, but some good games this week. We'll see what happens here. I, again, I, you know, we're going to take Oklahoma to beat Texas. Not saying that with any definitive uh, declaration here. Ole Miss to take down Arkansas. I feel a little better about that one. And uh, going to take Iowa, but I hope Penn State wins. That's... That's the big one here. That's the big game of the week, without a doubt. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast uh, with a look back at week four in the NFL, make some early picks for week five. But as always, the podcast can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, because now that Facebook's back up, Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter at CE Hildebrand, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We wrap up this week's edition with some with a recap and some early picks for the NFL. That's coming up next here on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com.